you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com now Rodgers finally has some time and is going to air it out deep downfield and at the 27-yard line then is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. First and goal, Rodgers hangs in the pocket, throwing into a lot of traffic and it's caught for the touchdown by Jimmy Graham. And just like that, the Green Bay Packers take the lead. It took them a minute and 35 seconds to go 74 yards. Should be the final play before the two-minute warning. Third and ten. Trubisky to the end zone, and it's going to be picked off. It's Adrian Amos who comes back to haunt his old team. Fourth and eight. Trubisky. And he's going to get sacked. Preston Smith comes in, and that really puts an exclamation point on a tremendous Packer defensive performance. It was that kind of night for the Chicago Bears. The Green Bay Packers and a dominating defensive showing take out the defending division champions 10-3 at Soldier Field in the NFL 100 kickoff. Yes, the Packers. With Aaron, everyone talking Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, <laughs> Mark more like Matt Labor. How about Matt the flower, flower not blooming? It wasn't Bloom about tonight, LaFleur. Though. It wasn't about Aaron Rodgers. It was about Mike Pettin and the Packers defense, 10-3 to season opening win, just like the, the big game last year in week one. The Packers break the Bears' hearts, and that's how it all starts. Dan Hansis of the Around the NFL podcast joined in the backyard of what is it? What do we call in this place, Wes? West Manor? Westeros? Westeros. Uh, That's pretty good. Something along those lines. Could be dated in a few years, but for now, I love it. (laughs) Westeros. We're here in the backyard. I'm with, of course, Greg Rosenthal's to my left, Mark Sessler next to me, and Wes, and uh, Lakeisha's here, Tara Deeker, and it's a beautiful night in Southern California. We sat outside. Crickets are chirping. Crickets are chirping. Ambient sounds. That's all of Mitch Trubisky's fans. Yes, and exactly, <laughs> exactly. So let's get into talking about this game um, because, listen, 
I don't think we were expecting a shootout, Greg, but no one expected a game at this level, and we could dissect um, how poorly the Bears played, but give it up for the Packers' defense, which balled out here. A lot of people had great nights. Goody was one of them. Brian Gutekunst, the Packers' general manager, brings in Preston Smith, who gets three QB hits in this game, including... The, the game finisher, uh, Zadarius Smith, who I think had an even bigger impact. He brings Adrian Amos in, who has the key interception. Uh, his draft picks, Darnell Savage, and I think the two safeties they have, Savage and Amos, are going to let Mike Pettin do a lot of crazy stuff back there. He loves having five, six defensive backs. They're not going to dominate like this every week, but you could just see Aaron Rodgers after the game how happy he is that he's going to have a difference-making defense. And I think they can be a top you know, seven to eight, ten defense all season. I don't think this is a fluke. I mean, I, I think part of it is the offense you played tonight in Chicago that seems like a work in progress. And, you know, a lot of those players did not operate in the preseason. And Very it, measured compared to what you were saying during well, the Well, no, I mean, I, I would say this. You know, <laughs> I, I give Pettin truth, a ton Cecil. of credit because I think Mike Pettin, you know, and he you, you got some of these games back when he was Cleveland's coach in the one good season they had and when he was the Jets coach. When he started to kind of feel himself in the second quarter with this defense, they got aggressive and they took chances and they were able to against a Bears offense that in the second half, I'll never forget this drive, where it's at one point it's first and 40, then it's second and 40, then it's third and 40. And I, you know, for all the people who want to tug Mitch Trubisky into this conversation of franchise quarterback, I've not seen someone with that label look as lost consistently on third down as he did tonight. There seemed to be no plan for this offense mm. or he could not pull them out of the trouble they got into and it's going to be a long week for him i know logically not to overreact to week one especially after the quarterback didn't play in the preseason but there is a there's a feeling of liberation just throwing mitch trubisky by the way so this is the big breaking news tonight midway (laughs) through the second quarter chris wesling is out you gave up on trubisky the guys the guys grilling pizza on the big green egg and he's counting out mitch Life is too short to stick with a bad quarterback. And it's we know he can have good games. He can. He, and he looks athletic, and he can roll out, and he can do all these things. But when you are that inaccurate, when you hold the ball that long and make that many bad decisions, it doesn't matter if every third game you have a really impressive game. You have a Super Bowl. I was more impressed with the Bears defense than the Packers defense. And I liked what I saw out of David Montgomery, even though it was in limited doses. I liked what I saw out of Allen Robinson. And when your quarterback is holding you back, like I said, only one game. But we've seen enough bad games out of him to know that what's going on here is the quarterback is holding back this team. Let yeah. me let me just let me just say one thing, and I agree with you. And he was a very hard watch in this game. He wasn't ready for prime time. He had the look in his eyes like a guy. Remind me a little bit of uh, although Trubisky is a better player, I think. Mark Sanchez, when as Jets fans like, ooh, wait, this isn't the guy, and you're trying to make it happen. You want it to happen, and you, maybe it's not going to happen. But this is one thing I'll say. This is a different era of the NFL. Week one is a totally different ball game than it was even five years ago. True. These offenses are just getting their feet wet in these games. And against a potentially, this could be a really good Packers defense. It's not a unforgivable mortal sin to look bad in week one. So I guess I would reserve judgment for a few more weeks, but this was not a good way to start the season. There's no way around that. I mean, obviously, I think Trubisky was on my radar last year, but I I would say that this is not like a break from the norm entirely with Trubisky, and I I think he's going to have a bounce-back game at some point here where you can get back on track. But what happens to a team 
if this offense stays mired to some degree like this, where you have six or seven sacks from the Bears defense tonight. They were sensational. They gave if, up 215 yards. I mean, they, the Bears outgained the Packers by 40 th- but yards. But this splits a locker room. When, you're, when, you, when their defense, it looks like it just they picked up right from where they were a year ago, We've having to carry this. We've seen it before. Rex Grossman, Kyle Orton, Craig Krenzel, or whatever his <laughs> name was. We've seen the Bears have to carry their quarterback. The Bears, the Bears rushing game was not there to pick it up either. 15 carries, 46 yards, 3.1 yards in attempt. And on, on the Packers side, Greg, circling back, the big smile Rodgers had uh, on his face when he's being interviewed by Michelle Tafoya. And by the way, NBC, a nice thought. I, I see it came up in the production meeting <laughs> June 27th, and it's like, well, it's the 100th anniversary. What if we all dress like flappers? And, and, and then Chris and Al, let's have them dress like paper boys. I get it. I get the angle, but somebody should have thrown up the red flag sometime around August Matt, 15th. Matt Nagy's George Halas fedora. That works. That's cool. Sure. Hot take. You need a little, um, you need a little more buy-in from Alan Chris when you do something like that, and they were not they, selling. Yeah, they just were along for the ride. Not. But what I was going to say was Rodgers, whether, whether you think Rodgers gets let off the hook a little bit and he plays the blame game, uh, even if it's subliminally sometimes or um, not directly – that was the relief of, oh, wait, what happens when I don't have to do everything by myself? And he knows they didn't have a great day on offense. And the Bears' defense, which we know is excellent, even in the post-Vic Fangio era, um, Rodgers didn't win the game. The defense won the game. And if he and the offense can improve going forward, which they will with Matt LaFleur, the Packers are dangerous. And they don't have to play the Bears every week. I mean, that that's crucial. They will get up to speed. I mean... Really, they didn't do anything all night except for that one drive where suddenly they picked up the tempo. Rodgers made a big play down the field. You know, they do it in four plays. But there were, even though he took a bunch of sacks, there were a number of plays where his guards played really poorly tonight, got steamrolled. And he made a couple plays on his own to keep drives alive, uh, you know, extending plays. And he did make that big throw down the field. So that's kind of the difference between him and Trubisky in this game. I mean, both of their lines did not play well. Both defenses played great. And Rodgers at least made a couple. The, the one quick thing I'd say is I feel like every year – there's a lot said after week one and week two equalizes and brings a lot of things back to earth. And I, it's not, I'm not giving up on Chicago's mm. offense yet, but there a lot, they have a lot to prove. Another big night, by the way, uh, for one more person, the, the writer of making the leap, the Packers defense back in July. You thought that series was over. Nope. It was back. I was <laughs> amazed at how invested you are in your making the leap. And it, dro- no, I it drove not. your rooting interest throughout the entire game. That was game. not why. Well, and you that picked the why. Packers that to win in your why. picks it, column. So. It's sports. You have to pick a side when you're watching a game. And, Mark, this game moved in a nice clip for you, too. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that very much. You know, I think from the very beginning you could tell this was going to move like that old 1921 Packers-Chicago Staley's game. It's uh, five minutes left in the first quarter. Greg and I just settle in, and Mark's like, look at the clip. This game's moving <laughs> <laughs> like, this is the first quarter of the first game. Mark's trying to get it to end fast. Hey, it, it held true. 255 games to go, Mark. All right, we have a lot more to get to, including previewing the rest of the week run game. So let us throw it to ourselves. Let's have some fun. The Around the NFL podcast can split the uprights from 63 yards. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room that's filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. There it is. 
You just heard us at the top of the show. Recapping Bears Packers. And we are just getting warmed up as we go through each of the week one games, uh, laying out it, laying out the preview of, of each of those matchups and also hitting some big news uh, that's occurred since we last had you in your ears. Since we were last in your ears? Something like that. <laughs> Mark, how are you? I mean, I think you nailed that from a body uh, part standpoint, mostly. I was thinking, Mark, by the way, before we get into this, the... Um, New for you. The Nice take. Um, nailed it. <laughs> Our last show, I, I certainly was taken aback a little bit. I know the fellas to my right and left were a little upset about it. Some of the listeners piped in about you maybe not being so excited about the start of the season. And um, I just want maybe just to, to throw it out there, Mark, that I understand the consternation... But again, it's this is the Browns' hope season. This is it. Is that where this is all coming from? Ultimately, I, like, I, their no, nerves here. I, I think that that was ratcheted up in a ridiculous fashion last week because you threw in the middle of it that you were going to be looking for my replacement a year from now, <laughs> which suddenly felt personal and attached to my career and you know my health insurance and earnings. So, <laughs> yeah, you you turn it, you turn the switch up on that. I. <laughs> I find that I love football more than ever, but there are, when it is in your face all day long, every day, I need balance. I need other things in my life. And maybe that might've been a time when I was yearning for something else. Today, I'm back in the groove. I feel good. I'm assuming the Packers and Bears game went well. How do I know? People already found out. I don't know. There's a big difference between loving football and loving the cottage industry surrounding football. Thank you. Wes gets it. Wes, see, Wes, with age comes a little wisdom, and you and Greg will get there, Dan, at some point. <laughs> I am much younger than you. That's true. <laughs> um, but here we are, 2019, Greg, and um, you're excited. I know you are. Of course I am. I know you're excited. You got a pocket square in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you're finishing the it's suit. It's barely peeking out. You're I, finishing the suit. You know, uh, Daddy Hansis was on the air uh, – <laughs> Earlier this week, and he, you know, he's calling people out with with his pocket square game. Finish the suit, nice as people, that drunk man in the, the lobby said. The nice people in war, you know, the he was ladies right. in wardrobe help, helped out with that. Uh, they offered, why not say yes? Oh, it's their pocket square. Yeah, it was only because I went in there. I didn't have a tie, and so then they asked if I wanted to throw that on, and you know, go for it. I mean, what a day! We got all these previews. We've got bigger news than normal on like a Thursday. It's a lot's happening. Yeah. Well, I think we all picked up when the man said it. The drunk man said it to us. It's more of a philosophy for life than just a comment on your sartorial choices. Absolutely. You nailed it, Wes. As always. <laughs> Let's get into some of the big news before we get to the previews. Yes, we usually don't do it on our, our Thursday preview show, but things have conspired. Things have happened. We need to get to it. So let's do some news, Ricky. I bring uh, accountability. You know, I bring, I bring, I bring uh, actions. You know, not what I say, what I do. You know, how I approach things. That was Antonio Brown at his uh, press conference after joining the Oakland Raiders earlier this, this year. And things have changed, I think it's fair to say. Uh, and things have changed quickly on Thursday. Explosive situation now uh, around the Raiders. The Raiders are planning to discipline Antonio Brown, stemming from a verbal altercation with general manager Mike Mayock. Uh, this is coming from Ian Rappaport. ESPN first had it. 
Rappaport added that Mayock was frustrated with Brown for posting that fine letter on Instagram on Wednesday, which I'm sure if you follow the league, you knew that Brown put on his Insta story uh, the letter um, that Mayock sent him with a fine for missing practices and and, uh, being away from the team without an excuse. Uh, The two got into a heated exchange on the practice field uh, later on Wednesday, witnessed by players. Things did not get physical according to Rappaport, but after a screaming match, Brown told Mayock that he would hit him in the face and hit him in the face. And then he punted a football before telling the GM, find me for that. Greg, <laughs> what, well, now what? What a world we live in <laughs> that uh, Vontez Burfecht could be holding back Antonio Brown from punching Raiders general manager Mike Mayock in the face. What a sentence to say. <laughs> Even a year ago, that would have blown anyone's <laughs> Mine, I shouldn't be excited about this because I think it's going to result in one of the NFL's great players not playing and making the Raiders much more interesting. Right now, we don't know if he's officially suspended. What about one of the more annoying storylines we have to track now with real football? That That's totally fair, too, that that. Chris Wesseling walked in the office today looking lighter, frankly, I think just like happier. Mm. And I thought it was the boyish glee that he had from receiving a NFL 100 football from Roger Goodell when he got to his desk, which was a very nice. It was, very, it was a very Santa move from Rog. We come to our desks and everybody has an official uh, the Duke ball with the NFL 100 logo. So I thought maybe that's the reason. But now I think about it. It's because, you know, Wes has just been proven so right about the Antonio Brown saga <laughs> and uh, all the fantasy uh, players that listened to him and did not draft him or definitely be. That's happy it, Wes. Huh? Well, I think the whole scenario that Greg just laid out, everything about it was in his head. Like he's he's wrestling with this whole thing. Why is Wes happier today? And I think I walked into the office with the same. You know, <laughs> bearing that I always have. Yeah, we, you know, we make we're a narrative business. I'm when you're born playing, at 32, playing, you're still learning how to perceive people's actions and behaviors. It did, it didn't have much to do with the Goodell football, which a very nice gesture, but it is kickoff Thursday, and it's not. It should be time for football, not time for soap operas, but. Antonio Brown has proven to be literally unmanageable. They've tried to manage him in several different ways, and none of them work. Mayock told reporters that Brown won't practice Thursday. He didn't. He wasn't at the team facility. Uh, And then John Gruden spoke briefly to the media, also kind of steered clear of it. And Mark, during this whole thing, and we've been seeing hints, not so subtle hints, that this is the same Antonio Brown that got himself run out of Pittsburgh because he's impossible to deal with uh, in 2019. But Gruden had been playing the good cop, Mayock the bad cop. uh, But at a certain point, you wonder if everyone on the Raiders is now going to turn against this guy and if they are going to come after his money. And the idea, was he ever going to play, make it to Vegas? Is he ever going to play a game period for the Raiders? All of this is now in play. You tweeted the question about Vegas two days ago and how little could any of us know that 24 hours later it would have felt like the absolute, that the question has a much more clear answer than we would have thought because I don't think on any level he gets to Vegas. And who would have thought that, you know, hours before kickoff, that you've come so far full circle with Antonio Brown that I now view the Steelers as competent disciplinarians for keeping a lid on Brown for all those years outside of a few things here and there. I mean, this has blown up absolutely in Oakland's face, and it's rare that we have a behind-the-scenes kind of impression or idea of an NFL general manager that takes the job, but we do with Mayock to some degree just by working 
No, I wouldn't say with him because I don't think he even knows who at least three out of four of us are. But in general, he has an idea of, of that we work with him. And the guy is a serious dude. And I think that he has an entire team to look at the same way that the Colts, when they lose Andrew Luck, have to circle the wagons and say we're still a team that has to play games and you have to move forward. In a more disaster scenario case, it's the same with Antonio Brown. Do you, do you continue to coddle to him and show that to your players, especially when it would happen you know, this week happened, you've got to move forward. And I think that he's out the door. We don't, yeah, we don't know yet. Mike Silver, who has connections in the Bay Area and the Raiders front office, he's not reporting this, but he came on our network and said, I think the relationship is unsalvageable and I'll be shocked if he ever plays a down for the Raiders. I think Mayak was playing a role because Gruden was trying to keep his relationship with Antonio Brown and make sure that Antonio Brown uh, was fired up to play for Gruden and that Mayak was kind of being the bad cop. Uh, but Brown has not acted like a well person. I mean, he's acted like someone who it doesn't take that much to set him off and that, I don't know, that the unmanageable is a good word. We, we know all about, obviously, about the frostbite on the feet. We know about the helmet drama and everything uh, through that. But when you look at this timeline, ESPN, Paul Gutierrez put out a timeline of Brown's drama around the Raiders this summer. I mean, they completely kept it hidden on Hard Knocks. And people are like, oh, I wish Hard Knocks was still there for this week. Well, they were the Raiders were going to continue to bury the story if they could. Did Were you guys aware that, that when they had to play on that 80-yard field in Canada against the Packers, he skipped a mandatory walkthrough that day as well? Yes, I, I heard that somewhere else. I mean, even when he's back with the team and he's smiling and you see him on Hard Knocks talking to players and the coach and joking around with John Gruden, he was still playing the game or being a professional by his own rules and for a team that's very young filled with uh, rookies and undrafted free agents he is just not a system match there and then the question becomes Greg is he a system match anywhere Uh, and if the Raiders do wiggle out of this contract which is a three-year deal and there is some language in the contract we're hearing that the Raiders have might have a real chance to get out of this uh, does someone, do we have an Operation Pink Pony situation here uh, shaping up, Mark? Do the Patriots, does anybody decide to take a chance after two teams ran away? I mean, everyone, you know, quick, quickly linked the, the Brown to the Patriots because the Patriots seem like a team that takes uh, characters and then suddenly they became, you know, productive citizens that operate on a 16-game schedule and take New England to the Super Bowl. It It would be, to me, almost unfair if Brown went somewhere else and produced. I don't, I have to see how this plays out, but it feels like he shouldn't be able to go to another team and just do this. Well, the delay in announcing the potential suspension or what the Raiders are doing in my mind is likely them getting whatever legal procedural ducks into a row in their, into a row. And that if they're going after his money, that's a whole process. But if they are going after his money and he's no longer part of the team. Yeah. I mean, I think, of course, t- other teams are going to be interested. It's just finding, uh, you know, are they going to pay him? And if they're not paying him, is Antonio Brown really going to want to play for like three or four million dollars? Because he might not get a, a great offer. All right, let's move on. Of course, we're going to continue to follow that story as it develops. Um, the Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott get a deal done. Uh, the two sides agreed to a six-year, $90 million extension in all. It's $103 million over eight years with, and here's the important number, $50 million guaranteed. The contract extension makes Elliott the top-paid running back. Uh, Leapfrogs Todd Gurley 
and his $14.375 million per year. He's also the first Cowboys running back to eclipse $100 million in total earnings in his career. Wes Elliott was limited at practice on Wednesday. Jason Garrett, the head coach, of the Cowboys said he's in good shape. His weight's good, all that. But again, it hasn't been, he hasn't been practicing against pro football players. So it makes you wonder how much he'll play against the giants on Sunday, but he's back and he's paid. And that's the most important thing. Yeah. I think the word is 20 to 25 snaps that, that has a way of changing once the game starts and it's a close game. We've seen this happen with holdouts who come in the first week and the coach says, I'm only going to give him X amount of snaps. And then the game happens and it gets more. Uh, I think one thing that we've seen out of this, once again, the Cowboys, we're used to them being so star heavy and not having much depth. This team has depth. Tony Pollard is there behind Zeke Elliott. They've got Devin Smith, former Jets guy at wide receiver. They got depth on the offensive line, depth on defense. This is one of the deepest teams in the league. And bringing Ezekiel Elliott back just is another reason to believe that. Got no problem with this contract. A lot too much honking, of, you know, breaking down the. Is it too much? Is it too little? Like, like okay, if it's two million dollars less a year, then everyone's fine with it. That's that's one percent of of a huge cap. He's one of their best players. It is easy to get out of after the first two to three years, which makes sense, I think, for just about any running back. So you you rewarded one of your best players, and it was smart of Zeke to hold out. Because now I think other players are going to do this with two years left on a on a. Other players aren't Ezekiel Elliott though, right? Other you really got to have clout. Other great players, uh, yeah. Because the, I agree with you, Greg. The, it, Melvin Gordon is not the beating heart of the Los Angeles Chargers offense. Tony Pollard is looks great, but that but we don't know Tony Pollard over a 16 game. We know Ezekiel Elliott over his career, and he's playing at Jim Brown levels and putting up those kind of numbers in a pass happy era where the Cowboys center their attack around him, and he continues to produce. I wouldn't be surprised to see him run for three first half touchdowns against the Giants, and then they might yank him then. But at this 20 to 25 snaps, we'll see. I, I think that if anything, it would go in the opposite in a way against a terrible. Giants defense where they come out of the gates heavy and blow them away with Ezekiel Elliott. Um, you know, I'm no Jennifer Garner in draft day. I'm not a capologist, <laughs> but I just wonder with the team and yes, their depth is excellent. Uh, but if you make Zeke the highest paid running back and I know that again, I'm no capologist. I'm no Jen Garner, but if you make Zeke the highest paid running back and you dwarf how everyone else pays the running backs, and then Dak Prescott, is it's probably going to play out, you would think, how it always plays out with these quarterbacks where he gets near top-of-the-market money. And you're handing out money uh, to Amari Cooper, I imagine, and Jalen Smith. At what point are they going to run into a little bit of trouble by paying all this top-of-the-market money out to their stars? It seems like that could be a challenge, especially with this Dak thing still lingering. The Cooper, maybe Cooper doesn't get that money. You know, maybe he gets franchise tag. I would have prioritized... Jalen Smith and Ezekiel Elliott over Cooper too. And who knows? Maybe that's what happens. So if you're not Jennifer Garner and drafty, are you more, you know, Jennifer Garner and dude, where's my car? Like what? That is a Dan feel to it. A low, I a low level you. role on yeah. that. I don't know if you remember. Who would be the, uh, definitely not 13 Elias. going on 30 was the one I was trying to think of, but I, <laughs> I couldn't, but you know, she did great work in both. Uh, Jen Garner and dude, where's my car is not bad. Can I pipe in for a second? Yes. Um, my good friend, Katie, who you guys all know, she texted me about an hour ago saying that she just walked by Jennifer Garner in the Atlanta airport. That's who I am. I'm Jen Garner in the Atlanta airport. (laughs) But isn't that weird that you guys are just talking about that randomly? That is odd. Small world. 
Psychic Just vibrations. All right. You ready? Um, last bit of news, contract stuff. Jared Goff agrees to a four-year, $134 million extension with the Los Angeles Rams, $110 million in guarantees. That's what I'm talking about. That's what Dak's going to be looking for. The 24-year-old Goff now holds the NFL record in most guaranteed money, putting him right ahead of his uh, former draft mate, Carson Wentz, who made about 108 with his most recent deal with the Eagles. Mark, former number one overall pick, has really blossomed uh, with Sean McVay, of course, and become one of the more productive quarterbacks in the league. And yet there are people that are barking and honking that this wasn't the right contract to give out, that he's not worth the money. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, I just think if, if Sean McVay was totally on board with this, good enough for me if I'm a Rams fan. I mean, they, do it. That these quarterbacks, every one of them, unless you're one of these mid-tier guys, which it doesn't even seem like that market exists, you keep eclipsing the quarterback pay with every one of these new contracts. I don't think they were ever going to try to lowball Jared Goff. I have some questions about Jared Goff, the player, but not enough uh, to be concerned about this deal if Sean McVay is on board. It seemed like maybe they want to bolster his confidence after coming off the Super Bowl. Don't want to let him enter the season without a new contract. I don't know, but to me... It, it's a safe contract because Goff showed incredible accuracy in most of his starts last year, and he has Sean McVay, and no one can convince me that Jared Goff deserves to make more money than Sean McVay. I just don't believe that at all. Mm, that's an interesting thought. Sean McVay is worth way more than Jared they're Goff. They're not even... Oh, no doubt about The funny that. thing is, I mean, they're not remotely even in the same I know. ballpark. And yet, if you're starting a franchise, you are taking McVay over Goff every time. It's Well, that that might it might be a case for the best coaches in the league, Belichick Sean and McVay, McVay are, are dramatically news. underpaid. Sean McVay hires Chris Wessling as his new agent. Here's the <laughs> Do thing you guys I, disagree? No. No, no. I really don't. But they don't the thing, I don't the think they cap. did it for his confidence. I think they were always going to do it um, as long as he kept playing well. They they said it as early as last offseason that they'd pay him this offseason. They basically telegraphed it largely because Sean McVay has made it clear to the Rams publicly and, and I'm sure privately, too. They, I don't want to be your I don't want to be your coach unless Jared Goff is my quarterback. That's how strong he's been about it. Like, this is my quarterback. There's no questions asked. I think that's his message, and it's been incredibly consistent, and it's what he believes. And so, to your point, McVeigh is that valuable. It's not like they have to think hard about it. If that's McVeigh's guy, then they just do it. Man, I'd love to see somebody like Matthew Stafford with, with Sean McVeigh. Goff's 24 years old, which I do think gets underrated. Like, you think of guys in terms of experience sometimes instead of their age. Like, he's barely older than Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield, and I think that that's worth it. 24-year-old quarterbacks, if you go back to the 80s and before, you weren't even asking them to start games at that point. And yes, he had a terrible Super Bowl, but he wasn't alone. They were basically outclassed from head to toe in that John game. Sean McVay, too, by the way. In that no, it's not like, exactly. Yeah. It's it's a team thing, and in Goff, to me, he was he was in the MVP conversation for a portion of last season. Outplayed Drew Brees in the NFC Championship. I mean, he, he's had his moments. Didn't he have four interceptions in Chicago in the cold? He's not perfect, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> well put, Mark. That's what's happening in the news. All right. Now it's time to dig in. We're going to do it every week through January and into February for Super Bowl 54, previewing all the games uh, on this special uh, episode of the Around the NFL podcast. Ricky, as per tradition, get us going. Professional football in America is a special game, a unique game. 
played nowhere else on earth. It is a rare game. The men who play it make it so. Hey, baby, let's oh, go. yes. Some crazy dogs. Now some yes. Now, it is time, gentlemen, to dig in. Of course, that is the great John Facenda. Sam Spence on music, NFL films. That is some classic stuff, Wes. That's what it's all about. Uh, Sam Spence? Sam Spence. I do love NFL films. I mean, the Sable. But you don't like the music? It's great. It's fine. Doesn't seem like you're into it. I'm not as like... No, I pretty mean, great music. Take the baton from me, thank you. No, oh, I don't. With this narrative, I, I'm not a oh. huge NFL films music guy. I'm not chef. I mean, Dan likes wow. it so much. He's DVR'd America's Game 2018 Patriots <laughs> and Do Your Job Three. We're up to Do Your Job Three. There's more Do Your Jobs <laughs> than like Problem Child Three. I mean, this is amazing. Well, I why like do we need to have to keep reminding them to do their job? How about the message received Let's without you doing your job? That's Dan, what we do. Dan's gonna get you know, it's, you know, Harry and Jack uh, around the fire this weekend, and let's let's watch two hours of Patriots. Like programming. you know, everyone is so like sick of the Patriots that even NFL Films isn't even trying anymore. They're like, what are we calling it this year? Uh, run back whatever the title was <laughs> last year. It's time for new blood, Greg, in Super Bowl football. So let's do it. Let's get to the games. And you know what? We're changing things up a little bit this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're still locking it up. Everybody have your locks locked and loaded. Mark, the two, two-time defending champion. I bring that up because... Mm. Uh, well, you're just beating Mark to the punch. He brings it up every show. So. <laughs> every show? I bring it up when I need to. <laughs> When it has impact and when it is needed. All right. We, f- we forget about those two years when we would used to pick every game. So, I mean, that should count somewhere. Uh, yeah, that's Back-to-back true. Back-to-back champs in that, in that, and then I tried to kill the game. Yep, I actually, did. I won one of those two, by the way. <laughs> you did. You won the first one. I want the oral history of why Greg tried to kill that game. <laughs> I know. And you only made it stronger. You ever think about that? Well, it did go away for a year or two. Uh, we stopped picking every game. Great, but it, now you're writing a picks column for NFL.com. <laughs> yeah. The man got you. It's all confusing. <laughs> you got to mix it up every few years. All right. So I bring up that Mark's the back-to-back picks champion because, yes, he asked me to privately before today's show. <laughs> all right. But also because uh, we are going to uh, essentially draft the games that, that we're going to talk about. Uh, and Mark's, because he's the picks champ got the number one overall pick which means he has 15 games uh to choose from to get us going and we're gonna we're gonna do this guys like a, a snake draft all right so mark's gonna pick one west two zeus or three greg four and five not bad greg no it's, it's nice to be in the back sometimes because you get that double bang it's a lot of work over there you're gonna be doing their four and five double bang greg a lot of work i think two is a good two two is where i'd like to be <laughs> Sorry, if the seating were let, let, like let that. Mark take the Browns, and then it's like I got my first pick, you know. Uh, which means Zeus are six, West seven, and then Mark. You and know, these are the eight. games that we're going to be assigned to on Sunday. So it's really a eight and bell. nine. I have okay. Oh, that's you have one, eight, and nine. So be ready, be prepped. I Sexy. know you are. All right. And these are the. This games is we my prize. This is my prize for winning that <laughs> first overall contest? pick. Okay. First overall pick. What else do you want? A sandwich? I want other things, but uh, I will take this for now. Uh, and then this, these are the games that uh, when we wrap up on our flagship show on Sunday night, um, these are the games we'll be tracking from the newsroom. Mark, get us going. What is the first game we're previewing in our first preview episode of the 2019 season? And what? Well, so why get too cute here? Because, you know, it's been this long 
uh, journey through the offseason. And, you you know, I could pull a fast one here and talk about Bengals Seahawks. But why go all this way with all that's happened to the team that I've suffered with for so long on this podcast and for a decade plus before that and another five years before that since they actually won a playoff game? The Cleveland Browns hosting the Titans. Mm, it feels like a reach at one. I don't know. It, I love well, it. That was my not a pick reach. at one. It's the Sky Sports it, game of the week on, on Sunday. It's Tony Ro- Tony Romo is not going the to Cleveland. Are right. He's not going to Cleveland right. to watch uh, Dean Pease. Uh, no, he plays. is not. He is not putting <laughs> Dean Pease at the top of his list. Dean and if it's good enough for Tony Romo, it is good enough for me. And it is a fascinating game because this is a team, the Cleveland Browns, that have swallowed up so much airtime for the past five or six months. I think there's enormous pressure on them to come out hot. I don't think you can go out and lay a dud to a team that most people accuse of as having zero real identity at this point. That said, the Titans, I think they have a couple sneaky things going for them. They had the number three scoring defense last year, and I think they've gotten stronger on defense. You add Cameron Wake, they have guys like Harold Landry, and you're going up against a Browns line that is somewhat suspect, and there is concern about that. I think that's the number one thing for me to look at. But to counter that, I cannot wait to see what Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon and the rest of the Browns defensive line can do against a Taylor Lewan free Titans line. Nice time. It also has the right tackle coming off an ACL injury. There are issues. And if you look back at that hideously dull Steelers Titans regular season tune up, there were what, seven sacks? of the Titans quarterbacks in that game. That was a mess. I'm not saying that's exactly what real life's going to look like on Sunday, but Cleveland's defensive line went out and absolutely terrorized Jameis Winston when he was on the field over the course of a quarter and a half in Tampa Bay. So for me, this game comes down to safety of quarterback and what happens from there. I do think that Cleveland, their early schedule, you have three primetime games, you have, you're going to be the center of attention. If you get out to a one and four start, this isn't the Ravens and Steelers. The difference here, and I know the seam, if you read um, the, the article that came out by Dunn on Bleacher or on, on The Athletic about Cleveland, he wrote a great feature about the mental toughness on that team right now. It is different than anything I've seen. And I think the difference is, remember how I used to talk about stand up and be braggy enough with the, uh, the nice charity things you're doing all week. And you're going, exactly what you're you going 115. For. They have been practicing in pads as much as any team in the league all August. I think that is to create a mental toughness factor that they've not had in Cleveland for a long time. I want to see it show up on Sunday and I'll now throw it to you. But I will say one last thing. When we say when we say that I don't care about football or I'm tired of it, what I really am honestly going to say is that I am nervous about this Cleveland experience because I'm not able to just go shut it down the rest of the week and go to some job in a hulked out building and behind a computer in a room where no one else. I'm around people all week long talking about the Browns. And if it goes negative, it concerns me about what it will do to me over the next month or two. It's too close. It's too hot. I need them I to be it. good. I need it. You know what the Browns are here, though, for you? <laughs> this Browns team, Mark, is here to fix you. Well, we'll see. <laughs> They're here to fix you. Not when the lawsuit comes we, in. Yeah, we, we got to cut that quick before Chris Martin comes after us. But this is the team, Mark. That's what I was trying to say at the top of the show, that – all your reasons for being nervous are all understandable, but this this squad is going to be fun to watch. And I mean, I was joking around with you about the reach at number one. That was more a fantasy bit. Like, I get why you would pick this number one and why you can't wait to see them. But I also agree with you. Win this football game. Got to win it. Right. And there it 
it wouldn't be that surprising if the Titans win it because it's the NFL and this is a team that's won nine and they've gone nine and seven three straight years because they're just kind of a nine and seven type of team, and and their linebackers that you mentioned, their defensive play caller, I, you know, I mentioned DPs earlier. They have a secondary that at least can put bodies and numbers throwing at you. Malcolm Butler, they they hope is a little, little better this year, like. I think Baker Mayfield can make that offensive line look better and then that doesn't become nearly yep. as a problem. But I don't see this as some like dramatic thing where the Browns should be viewed as heavy favorites in a game against the Titans. At home? I guess though? I got to see it. I guess I got well, to see it. Yeah. I got to see it too. To me, they're pretty even teams. And yeah, at home, I give the Browns an edge, sure. They're fairly even. I'd, I'd fully expect the Browns to blow them out of the building in this game. I think they announced their presence with authority and everyone's going to see what Baker Mayfield to Odell Beckham means. I know about the hip injury. If he's, if he's suiting up and he's playing, I'm expecting big plays throughout that game. I don't love the what, sound, what you're hearing about Beckham, though. He's, he's telling the media... That he hasn't, quote, opened up yet. Rope-a-dope. It's like an extremely fast car. Listen, Andrew Luck, rope-a-dope. I remember when Randy Moss went to the Patriots, didn't play at all it's in the preseason because of a hamstring injury and came out and just blew the doors West, off the What building. you want to happen doesn't necessarily mean it will happen. I'm hey, just telling you. And what you say doesn't now Beckham, necessarily I'm happen. S- no, I'm saying what Beckham is saying. I hear Get you. This right, He's okay? suiting up, though. Let's listen to what Beckham's He's playing. Saying. It's like an extremely fast car with the alignment off. The car can still go, but it's dangerous. I'm just saying a guy that has missed a lot of time, and it's a hip injury, an explosive a- athlete, I'm a little nervous. It's a lot to ask. That's it's all. 60 to 65 snaps. I, would, I did the Damashek show. And he was going through each team and talking Jenga pieces. And Taylor Luan might be the one for Tennessee. And they're missing him, as, as Mark mentioned. That's a pretty big deal. Well, especially with the way Mariota's handled pressure the last year or so. If you're their new offensive caller, Arthur Smith, you're going to run the ball all the time in this game. Art Smith! It's a deep a Dean Pease revenge game, by the way. Well, I mean, <laughs> isn't every game? Yes. You're, you are someone named you Dean Pease. Well, who, yeah, who is he... <laughs> who is he... Need revenge on every game is a Dean Pease revenge <laughs> game. That's the way the guy is. He's a killer. Okay. All right, with the number o- number two overall pick, Chris Wessling, get us going, baby. We're gonna talk Pittsburgh Steelers at New England Patriots. Nice, nice choice. Two Super Bowl contenders, two teams whom I think are better now, way better now than I thought they were during the off season. After seeing what happened in training camp and preseason and the way things are coalescing for both of these teams, legitimate Super Bowl contenders, and I don't think that we always thought Pittsburgh would be there. Couldn't agree more, and I think it's a game where the defenses should be ahead of the offenses. You hesitate to say that. September football scoring is usually higher. You know, you have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks and good offensive coaches, but the Steelers have shown they can stop New England like that narrative which there's reasons for it but they did an amazing job last December in a game that absolutely mattered in a game that should have knocked the Patriots out of a bye and and maybe could have propelled the Steelers to a division title they held Tom Brady to 10 points and I think it's because they're really balanced they've got a really good defensive line who's healthy they've got a pretty deep secondary and the Patriots are always working on things in September and this is a September where they have Josh Gordon, Demarius Thomas, and Julian Edelman, who might be their top three receivers, barely played in August, barely took any practice snaps. And they're a team that thrives on getting information and using that information against the opponent. You don't have much information in week one. Am I crazy to simply say because this game is in Foxborough, 
that I give Pittsburgh literally no chance to win this? I think that's crazy. Yeah, no chance. I'd say that's crazy. If you had to pick, you know, if it, you're how about like, a, how about a twenty percent chance? Sure. Then that's, that's, that's it, we've seen. I think it was as recently as two years ago. The Chiefs went to New England, right, and smacked around the Patriots in Week One in a high leverage uh, primetime game. I think this for me, this is the game. If I had to bet my life, we don't bet. If I had to prop my life. Uh, what game is going to come down right to the wire, oh, and wow. it's going to be a, a week one game, a classic one we remember. I feel like this is going to be a lot of fun to watch because I, you know, we talk about the Patriots, and maybe it's a little bit overblown because how slow can these starts be if they go twelve and four and thirteen and three every year? Uh, but I mean, they were one and two last year, and they were. So two, it is two a thing. A like if ago. you look, if you look at the Patriots, they don't always start on fire. And uh, the Steelers, I think, are a team that's very dangerous in the AFC because I think as an organization, they have a lot to prove here. I think Mike Tomlin has a lot to prove. I think Ben Roethlisberger has a lot to prove. I feel like um, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell both being gone that they want to show that we we we've risen above all that drama. I think this is the AFC East champion against the AFC North champion and maybe even the AFC championship uh, preview. And yes, it could be a big tiebreaker scenario. Uh, so I, this is such an important game in early September. I think like a lot of stuff, you know, it's, it's, it's pre-week one. So you get these packages of information based on stuff that happened last year. And it's like 90% of it you just toss because it just yeah. doesn't carry over. But when it comes to Belichick and, and, and stuff carrying over with Bill Belichick, I look at last year that they held the following receivers. They took them out of the game or held them under 100 yards. DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs, Antonio Brown, and Juju Smith-Schuster, Devontae Adams, and Adam Thielen. Two of those are pairs on the same team. So it's not just one guy. And I, I just think that Pittsburgh, or Pittsburgh is going to have to find a way to do it through someone other than just Juju Smith-Schuster. All right, let's move on. Unless anybody has something else. Move it. The third overall pick. You know, you don't usually like to take what you would deem a sleeper this early. So, yeah, this might be a bit of a reach. But I love the game. So I'm going to talk the Atlanta Falcons traveling to Minneapolis to face the Minnesota Vikings. And on paper, just on what happened last year, it's a blah matchup. It's 7-9 and nine against 8-7. There goes a dome, two dome teams off the list, Mark, oh, and yeah. I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> against 8-7-1. and one. But it's a glass dome. Does that help at all? It's a little sunnier. The it's light. a beautiful place. We were there for the Super that Bowl. That dome is is I will say this it's for me it's a game pass thing it looks beautiful on game pass and the green is a natural <laughs> bright green where some of these dull gray greens are just unwatchable yeah Mercedes-Benz Stadium that's you know the, we were there for another Super Bowl that was not a bad facility either Chris. the lighting on TV looks almost dull gray okay for the turf but it ain't the Georgia <laughs> Dome against the Metrodome but no, I agree with you that the this is the best dome to watch a game <laughs> all right here we go so yes on paper seven and nine verse eight seven one but these teams I think are both very interesting this year uh would it stun me if both of them uh had a similar record in 2019 well maybe the Vikings would surprise me because I'm, I'm very high on Minnesota I think um some organizations do not handle um, the idea of expectations. Well, the, the Vikings shrunk last year and I think there's a little heat off them this year. And like I said earlier this week, uh, I think their offense has a really high ceiling and then a Falcons offense that also has a very high ceiling. Um, so I think there's a possibility of a shootout here, but I also, 
I wonder if the the Vikings, Wes, lay the smackdown potentially in their building <laughs> against Matt Ryan and company. It would not surprise me if the Vikings throttle Atlanta here. Uh, that that would that's my early thought on this game. I agree 100 percent with all of your analysis in this game. And I think the Vikings are getting the Falcons at the right time. Better to get them in week one when Julio Jones is giving answers to questions as if he's not sure if he's going to play or not. If he's not sure if it's because of the money or the injury or what's going on because your offensive line has two rookies and you're not sure what you're getting there. The Falcons just have a lot more question marks to me right now than the Vikings do. And maybe that won't be the case a month from now. I, I expect Julio Jones to sign a contract between now and game time. If you read the entire transcript, he made it pretty clear he's playing, but also made it clear he fully expects to have signed his new contract by then. I think they expected it to happen before today. Arthur Blank said as much earlier this week that it's going to happen. So I'm not worried about Julio, but I am worried if I'm the Falcons that my defense is it just hasn't been tough under Dan Quinn in terms of stopping the run. And now with Gary Kubiak in Minnesota, I think they're going to be able to run. I think this Vikings team, unlike old Vikings teams, are built to win a shootout. And maybe that's what it takes to win this game, and I think they will, and that's why I'm going to lock I think there's a lot of... Whoa! Oh, there you go. Whoa! He's trying to sneak one in there. I like that. That's a good lock. That is a gutsy lock. I like it, too. Um, go ahead, Mark. I've already conceded this year's title to Greg because I can tell the tone that he's setting. <laughs> he's got the eye of the tiger. No, no, Greg has got it. Greg has essentially won Are you going to lock up it's Greg a, locking it's it up? A, it's a puppet show. The rest of us are just involved <laughs> in a puppet show. I don't know what psychological game this is, but cut, I the, agree with Mark. cut to 12-15 and the Falcons are up 21-14. to 14 <laughs> And you're like, oh, okay. I, I kind of, I don't know if I totally look at Mike Zimmer and say, I just... Totally admire the fact that you're pressing in so hard to uh, an offense that looks so counter to the rest of the league that you fired your pass-heavy coordinator last year and Cousins' attempts dropped by 14 a game once Filippo was out the building. And I think Dalvin Cooks looks great, but you built the whole thing around what you want to be an old-school offense, and that works or it doesn't. But I, I, for me, the Vikings last year, what I want to see change is they absolutely laid gigantic stinking eggs when it mattered most against the Patriots against the Seahawks. They lost twice to the Bears down the stretch. What team are you? Because I don't see a lot that has changed in terms of leadership, in terms of the key characters. Yes, you went and made your center first round pick, the highest ranked or or drafted center in like 20 years or something. If that hits, that's the difference. Their line was a total disaster that deep sixed Kirk Cousins wire to wire last year. That's got to change. You've got to be a tougher team. I do like the Vikings in this game. I'm a little worried, all four of us, when we agree. Yeah. Um, two things I'm, um, before we move on. You mentioned the Vikings offensive line. I want to see that uh, remade Falcons offensive line. And also the backfield between Dalvin Cook and Devonta Freeman. Mm. Yeah. Is, is Cook going to break out? Are we going to see the Cook that everyone expects? Is Freeman going to return to form? We'll find out Sunday. I'll, I'll be That's watching why it's it, fun. I'll be watching if Xavier Rhodes gets just destroyed by these receivers because that is a big-time concern for the Vikings, that Xavier Rhodes is no longer a huge asset because he wasn't really last regular season. All right, Greg, it's, you got a, I'm a so, pick I'm here. so happy because you're right. You, th- you said the number four pick uh, could have been juicy. I get my number one overall draft pick anyways at the four spot. That's how you draft. And it's because the season really starts in full, you know, 10 a.m. for us Sunday morning. So that first 
game you're watching, that is important. And I wanted Panthers Rams because I thought these are the two teams that I'm coming into the year with a lot of information on them. Anyway, I expect them to be in the mix among the top two NFC teams. Uh, and there are two coaches who have been very successful. Ron Rivera defensively, I think was really smart to adjust that he's no longer just a 4-3 team. They're going to show 3-4 looks. Brian Burns probably going to start, have a little bit more variety. I'm curious to see if Sean McVay will also have a little more variety this year. Maybe we'll see like a little less play action, a, mm. a, a, a little more two running backs or tight ends on the field. I don't know. But either way, I think these are just like two great teams. Uh, that should be ready to go week one. Cam Newton is fully healthy, and it just, to me, looks like the best game of the morning. It's great that Cam's not even on the injury report this week because it was not. It's looking a little grim when he suffered that foot, foot injury and you were worried that he was going to limp into a new season after ending last year in IR. Now you get full-strength Cam. We've talked about it, um, Wes. I, I feel like, I don't know if you agree with me, that the Panthers are lying in the weeds a little bit in the NFC, and that's always a good thing. Uh, I like them in this game. This was my hardest game to pick. We have to. Do, I, now I am writing those picks uh, online uh, every week, and this was the one I didn't feel good about no matter what, no matter who I picked. Yeah, it's a hard game to pick. I agree, Dan. The Panthers, I think everybody gets caught up in that injury last year with with Cam Newton. And their defense did fall apart a little bit, but they were a playoff team before Cam Newton's injury. I think the question I have this year, for as much love as Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore are getting, there's not much depth there behind them. When Jarius Wright or Chris Hogan is your three, and then you got Ray Ray McLeod and Brandon Zilstra, who you picked up for special teams, you better hope that Curtis Samuel really does have a breakout year. And stays healthy. I, I, I'm a little concerned, or I want to see. I think there's a, the Rams have so many off-season long questions, obviously. There is Goff. There is Gurley. There is what's going to happen for me on the offensive line, where you lost Roger, Roger Saffold. You lost John Sullivan. You're replacing them with two guys, Brian Allen and Joseph Noteboom. Kind of like that guy's last name. Whitworth is knocking the, knocking the door on 40 at this point. So he's, you know, he's up there. He's almost the same age as Wes and I, only seven or eight years off. And they played about 120 snaps in their lifetime. So, you know, you need the same way we look at the Falcons or the Vikings and say, these line elements or the Titans and Browns need to check out for us to believe in these teams. This is where I think the Rams issues could come. If the, suddenly something happens, there's some sort of sinkhole on the front five. I want to see how Todd Gurley looks. Yeah. Uh, Sean McVay said he's not going to be on a pitch count. And just the sense I get from people who have reported from their team and the way they've talked about him, that they're not really as worried about him as everyone else is. I mean, I... I'm just excited that I got this four spot. I don't know if we're moving on now. No, I got, I'm getting my first. And pick. I'm, very, I'm getting my first pick at 10 a.m. And I'm getting my first. I'm nervous pick that you're going to take my pick here. You're going to take my pick. I think you? I am. It's the Colts. It's the it's Chargers. Not. Oh no, that was not. Okay. Was gonna, I, oh, actually, I should have known that. Yeah, you, that you're was gonna never. Take, you could have probably stolen that another <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, I, I know. I you're you're taking either. the Allen Chris Invitational. That's how bad. That was my fifth seed Colts. The Giants are so bad they're not even on Sunday Night Football with the Cowboys for the first time in 17 years. Colts Chargers to me is just a fun game that you're not sure what you're going to get out of these two teams in week one. They're not quite the teams we expected two months ago. We know about Luck. We know about Derwin James and Russell Okung and Melvin Gordon. And I'm, I know I, I, you were almost talking straight to me, Dan. I saw your hit. You did a great job talking power rankings on NFL now. Thanks, and you said people were uh, in their feelings about the Colts. <laughs> and maybe that's me. Cause uh, whatever, maybe it's Chris Ballard really. And Frank Reich and, and Jacoby Brissett and T.Y. Hilton. What's they're, your favorite type of frog? They're really in their feelings. 
Um, but I'm buying what they're selling. Did T.Y. Hilton, did I, I didn't read the whole story. Did, did he say this is the best team he's ever been on? He did. I mean, what are we doing here? I, Go I, ahead. I'm buying what they're selling. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I want to see. Wait, him. how many teams has T.Y., has he ever been on a good team? I mean, they've, I, they've made playoffs. So he's saying this team is better than I, I would argue from top to bottom, it, it may be the best Colts team minus the luck situation. But it might not, be. But it is with the Colts, with the luck. It's right. that if he, but he also, they, if he super believes in the current quarter, Back, it is the best head to toe Colts team in a long feelings. time, and and this is a matchup of the two narratives. The other narrative to me is the Chargers regression. They were so good in close games; they're already missing players. Their line isn't really great, and maybe those those two narratives clash here, and we get a nice little Colts upset. I, I'm with you because I think they were five and one in those close games, and you have a twelve and four record, and you're just. A lot went right in terms of them. I thought they were a good team that surged down the stretch. They smacked a couple playoff teams, you know, heading towards the playoffs. But how many chances do you get? And you go into the season missing all these key guys. I don't know. I mean, it's the only thing is, you know, and also I don't like a team. And I know we're not really even supposed to talk about this half the time. But you're playing in a stadium where you're one year, you're one year away from moving into a massive. We talk talk about that. Well, I have been I have been talked to, uh, you know, specifically about stuff that I put in. Better watch yourself. You're a a bad boy. Well, I didn't think I (laughs) I don't care what they say. It's it's on my radar because I've been talked to about it before. But they you're in a you're in a small stadium where you can out week after week feel any hint of a home field. And I don't know if players can shut that out or not, or if it matters. I think it's a disadvantage. It just feels like at some point, if you're a player, you're thinking, please, someone gather around us. Since you brought it up, can we talk about the name of their field? As, as if it couldn't get worse. It is now Dignity Health Sports Park. What? That, that is not the black hole. Wait, when I hear that name, it feels like you need to go to the hospital to have your dignity worked on. <laughs> or your colon cleansed. I don't know who's supposed to win this game. Where did that come from? <laughs> I was surprised to hear Greg say it'd be an upset if the Colts win. That's well, well, the Chargers are one of the biggest favorites of the week. Actually, that in surprises the desert. Me. Surprising to me too. Interesting. All right, people, people believe in the Chargers because the Chargers, even after taking those players away, they still have more frontline talent than the Colts. That's true. Are you worried at all about the Chargers? The entire defense, the entirety of their defense, their ability Worried to stop the run, their ability with I like their charges. No. no, it's the other side of the ball that concerns me. Okay. Yeah, if anything, I'm worried about you know now that I'm backing uh, Brissett this year. That you're uh, in deep with Jake. Brissett. That Ingram, that Ingram and Bosa are going to do what they do and be 100. Reminds me of a piece of that and Jake tear them apart. That's the worry. All right, the snake now comes the other direction. The old Zeus, or I had a locked and loaded as my number two seed, so. I'm pretty pumped about it. I don't know why I didn't talk about it first. Here we go. The Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, wow. Who were surprising people. Sweet. We are still, still waiting for Patrick Holmes to get back on the field. It didn't happen in overtime of the AFC championship game. The Chiefs lost the coin toss and then threw up all over themselves. And Tom Brady marched down the field and the Pats went back to the Super Bowl. And you know how that ended. Well, now they travel to Jacksonville to face the Jags. And uh, I just love this game because um, we we know all about the Chiefs and especially Patrick Mahomes, the reigning MVP and um, all the weapons they have and how this is a team that, yes, if you, if things break right, can average 33, 34, 35 points a game. Like it's that type of special offense. The what's the X factor in this game, Wes, is the Jaguars uh, for me and specifically that defense in their building 
week one, fans going crazy, a Jaguars team that a bit of a Murphy's Law season last year um, that has a lot to prove, and I imagine with a chip on its shoulder. Uh, I think the Chiefs are in for a bit of surprise when it comes to moving the football. I think the Jaguars are going to play tough at home, and this is going to be a game. I'd love to see a little chaos just to throw everyone off. Um, I think it's just assumed that the Chiefs are going to score 35 or 40 every week, if not 50. And I think the only thing working against your theory, Dan, is that even if the Jaguars played them tough last year, nobody held the Chiefs under 26 points in 18 games. They were never held under 26 points. And I don't think the Jaguars can get there on, on their offense. basically did, in terms of their offense, they scored on a pick six last year in that game. So they did a pretty nice job holding the Chiefs offense to 23 points. But you're right that that's like even the best that you can do. And they gave up a ton of long drives. Like they, I remember that game. I, I, I was, I covered that game and, and it was a bunch of, they decided to force Mahomes to just take check downs all day. And you know what? He did it and had a bunch of 80 yards. Picked them off twice. Well, yeah. now they've got some new weapons on that Chiefs offense. Maybe he doesn't have to take check downs all game. I see. I do want to watch this one early on Game Pass. If I'm not, I'm assuming I'm not assigned to it. If Dan has already picked it to watch, no, there's it. no assumption. That's it, bro. I'm locked and loaded <laughs> in the game. And A lot can happen between you are. now and then. Oh, you talk about trades. I mean, we could. Who knows what could happen? You want to do a swap? What if you got one of your um, little C colds and weren't able to show up on Sunday? And suddenly, you know, Wes and Greg and Mark are having to triple up on C games. colds. I'm Cal Ripken, baby. I'm here every show. That's true. I, well, then I will be watching on a game. I just want to see, and I know we've talked about it before, is that again, it comes to this John D. Filippo. I'm the Iron Horse, baby. Well, I don't know about that. That's yeah. strong. That is very strong. I mean, do you have another family reunion to go to? Let's see if, you know, let's, there may be more time for that. Did I miss a show? Huh? Go on. You're yeah. wrong. Go on. <laughs> I I'm knew just, that would get you. Well, you've missed like 55 shows this year. Oh, oh well, not true. Go I, on. I, not true. Go on. I mean, I just, I am loving the show where there's a lot of back and forth. Here, <laughs> and I'm not involved in any of it. What a, oh, oh, there's plenty of time. Not yet. There's there plenty, plenty of time. time. I just, too I, much time. I'm not convinced that this, the way this roster is set up for Jacksonville, that it's an easy uh, paradigm for Nick Foles to, to thrive in early. You are a team with no proven tight end at this point. No one that's actually done it for more than a couple of weeks. And yes, I guess Leonard Fournette arrow up in terms of the reports on him this preseason, but you're meant to be an RPO Eagles looking passing type team. And outside of DD Westbrook's, you know, flowery reports, there's not much going on. So I, I if you get into a shootout right away, I want to see what happens to the Jaguars if they're down by two touchdowns or 10 points. And Nick Foles suddenly has to wonder what happened to those two fascinating tight ends I was working with in Philadelphia. <laughs> it's the best defense in the AFC, I think, and the best offense. I mean, it is a, it is a nice week one matchup. So maybe it comes down to which of the other two sides that are kind of newly rebuilt, you know, are going to get there a little faster. And I want to make it clear. I see maybe like a 21-17 game that goes either way. And then I see the Chiefs dropping the 50-burger on the Raiders at the Black Hole next week. <laughs> I'm not worried about the Chiefs. I just, I, I just can see Jacksonville coming out hot here. All right, Wes, you're up. Up is down, left is right. Cats are chasing dogs. Oh, no. Dan's choosing it. AFC South teams. I'm going <laughs> NFC East. I'm Whoa. going Giants and Cowboys. Interesting. Wow. All right. Stunning even. Well, I mean, I can talk myself into the Giants because I'm on Eli Manning Yank Watch. <laughs> Yank Watch. Gross. I'm on Yank Watch there. So get him. Where's out. Orson Welles? 
<laughs> get Danny Dimes in. I want to see what what Eli's got left. I have a good idea, but I want to see what. But then also, you the want to be there for the funeral. It's the sneaky team of Westiel on the other side of the ball. Yes, it, it is. It's been a three year funeral that I've been watching, so <laughs> I feel like I've been a part of it. Uh, yes, a sneaky team of the Cowboys. Ever since the Amari Cooper trade, have been one of my favorite teams to watch. They are fun. So I'm going to see what Ezekiel Elliott has in the first game. We're going to see how these new pieces fit in. And, you know, I, I think that the Cowboys should be considered a favorite, maybe not the favorite, but a Super Bowl favorite. Mm. Plus you get Troy and Joe. And I feel like we've come around not just on this podcast, but just nationally at some point. On Troy, yes. I think everyone's come around to kind of like, oh, actually, Troy and Joe, a great duo to watch a, a Brock. Oh, I've always liked it, but, I, but there's been critique, no doubt. I mean, yeah, Brock, Brock had some issues early in his career, the Randy Moss mooning situation, to name one. But I shouldn't put you guys in this group. Pro. This has been my journey that I, I have taken. I mean, we, I now am, we support you in your journey, yeah, you. but I, I don't necessarily share the same journey. So <laughs> He didn't have a great call on the helmet catch. In Super Bowl 42, Joe hasn't always been on fire, but I feel like he has gotten better and better. I mean, there's other days where he's like had to call a baseball playoff game, then eight hours later do football or vice versa. I think he's, you know, seems like he works pretty hard to me. I've been I've been wondering about the Cowboys in week one for for a while now, and they're all practicing. It's crazy. Like Byron Jones had a hip surgery, didn't practice at all till this week. Same thing with Demarcus Lawrence. Zach Martin is maybe the only one that's actually questionable for this game. Uh, who uh, Tyrone Crawford's coming back. Zeke Elliott's Demarcus limited. Lawrence. If you're going to have to go to Dallas, I feel like this might be a good week to do it. Well, I think there's another world where let's say this Kellen Moore offense takes off and confuses a Giants, very suspect Giants defense. And they do the thing I mentioned where Zeke, they get him off to a hot Jerry Jones led start where he has Zeke running. He basically dials down to the sideline, which if you're Ray Farmer would have gotten you suspended for four games. You basically tell the coaching staff, you get Zeke in that end zone over and over. I want him jumping in that red pot, even though it's not Christmas red time. Pot. And then I'll tell you what else is going to happen because we have a sandwich bet on this game. Potentially. Actually, I could be out a sandwich unless this happens. I told you that Daniel Jones would take over in week one, mid game, and be starting by week two. So I need that nice 21 to nothing first half situation where Eli Manning throws a killer pick six that has everything. That happened last week? Yes, that's what I that's what I put on on show tape. (laughs) Show tape. (laughs) Um, all right, let's move on. Mark. Oh, it's my turn. Back up. You got a double. Double dip. All right. So here's where I'm going to stay in the NFC East. And that is a little game. (laughs) Check your pages. Redskins and Eagles. That is a little game between the Redskins (laughs) and the Eagles. And we, you know, Dan and I were on the the Rich Eisen show today. What an appearance. And I cannot find find my notes for this. But I have found it. He asked us point blank right out of the gate what who we thought the best team in the NFC was. And I, and I, I had to think about it for one second because it's a top-heavy conference, but I think it's the Eagles. I really do. And I've mentioned a couple times I think the Cowboys and Eagles are going to get off to super hot starts, and that's going to be a fascinating division because of those two teams. On the flip side, the Redskins, to me, have a lot of issues. And it's kind of crazy to think that Jay Gruden yeah. is in year six of coaching this team. Because I don't know exactly what's kept him there, except for essentially the owner maybe thinking he can't find anything better at this point. You look at what they're lining up at wide receiver. You look at what they have going on really everywhere except what I like is is their their defensive line with Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. I don't know how the Redskins go into this game. This is another game where maybe you have a rookie starting. If the panic button is pulled, 
by the third quarter. I would not be shocked to see Dwayne Haskins get snaps in this game if it goes as poorly as I think it will. If the if the Eagles play up to what they are right now, I think this is a thirty six to seven type romp. Mm. Can't argue. I think I I have a theory. Like there's almost nothing that's an upset in Week One. Just about because you don't really know. But this this to me would be. A massive upset if the Redskins are even close, I agree. but if they win. In Landover, maybe you could see a game, but not in Philly. And they've had really good injury news, too, the Eagles. who had a, They have a ton of players coming back from injuries that happened last year, that happened this offseason, and almost all of them, except for uh, Gougier Hill, their linebacker, seem to be back for this game. One note on the Redskins running backs. Jay Gruden says that Darius Geis is going to start, and he's still deciding whether Adrian Peterson's going to be in the mix for this game or not. I can't get out of the, the y'all wow. heard. So he might be inactive. The, he for wait, for he hinted reason? that Adrian. He hasn't decided what role Adrian Peterson's going to play if he plays one at all. Because he doesn't maybe help they, on special teams, and maybe he's playing, playing the role of the pouting former superstar. I think uh, we've seen that with Sean Payton, haven't we? Adrian uh, Peterson on the sidelines yelling at him? Yes. All right. The y'all heard around the world, Wes, last week when you said you didn't believe in Darius Geis. It's still in my head. It's rattling around. Well, I'll be I'm interested th- to see how he looks in this game. My point was on a half dozen carries, whatever we saw, like everybody went crazy. Like it was some impressive performance. And I you thought, see why aren't you beating the linebacker to the edge? No, my, I, I, my thing just was that he was out there that he was playing because whatever he did in that game, I'm expecting him to be significantly better three, four weeks later that it's a fair point. He didn't do anything. Well, it wasn't just, just aimed he, at you. It was yeah. like, everybody went crazy about it. It was like, what? I didn't That's see fair. that. I think part of it is the idea of coming back from that right. devastating injury. All right. Mark, hold, hold that thought on the next game. Cause I have to let you guys know that football is back. You knew that though, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it seems yeah. like something that's been, yes. We've- Watch live, local, and primetime NFL games for free all season long with a Yahoo Sports app or the official app of the NFL on your phone or tablet. Plus, get all your latest breaking news, highlights, and more. Download the NFL app or the Yahoo Sports app in your app store or at NFL.com slash mobile today. Certain restrictions and data rates may apply. Pro football is a mirror of early America, reflecting toughness, courage, and self-denial. All right, Mark, take us into the second half. Good job. I just want to make a play out there, buddy. Nice just want to listen to this for a second. Wes hating on Sam Spence. That man's a musician. Yeah, just think of all the music available to me. I don't really want to spend it listening to that. Spence. It's a good plug, Wes. Big band music. Go ahead, Mark. I'm going to travel out west to Seattle for my second game. There was this pretty great article written by Mike Sando of The Athletic because apparently everyone who writes sports now works for The Athletic except for the four of us at this point. Including Dave Damashek. Right? Every writing, but yes. He went and visited with Pete Carroll and he showed him a chart, a study, that of every team last year in the first 28 minutes of a game when you essentially could be categorized as having a choice to run or pass because you're not down it's you know you're not down by 48 points and it's not the last it's not the 2 minute warning in the first half and it's not the second half where things get out of control that the Seahawks ran with such a perversion at such a crazy rate That's that point. they ran more than any team and to a higher degree than in this threw me the 2011 Denver Broncos 
the Tim Tebow Broncos. Wow. That no team since then has run the ball with such ferocity and such choice since that team back then. And did Carroll think, oh, you know, I know what everyone's doing in the league and everyone's telling you if you're not passing on first and second down, you need to be thrown out with the trash. Well, he basically got totally giddy and said, this is what we do. This is what we are. And where I get a little suspicious of the Mike Zimmers doing this, and I kind of love what Pete Carroll's doing. He basically says our whole philosophy and the way we were when we won those Super Bowls was long punishing drives where we control the ball. I think they've got the personnel to do it. I love that they've strengthened the defensive line. I don't like this game for the Bengals at all. And I know that I rip on the Bengals too much, but I have this question. I cannot think of a team, even the Redskins to me have an identity and it's not a good one. I have no idea who the Bengals head coach is at this point. I have no read on him. So I'm saying I'm, ex- I'm invited, inviting him Zach, to show me. Zach Taylor. I mean, I know the name, but no, it's we're like... We're missing have- a letter, by the way. Handsome Hank hit me up on uh, Slack today. Oh, I don't name that client. Z-A-C. Give us a K. Give us an H. Don't just hang, leave us hanging with a C. And that's a parental issue. His parents. I mean, Wasn't there a running back named Zach Stacy who was Z-A-C? There was. And what happened to him? Out of the league. Ian Canton? <laughs> he gone. Bingo. Well, so the Bengals 29th against the run last year. I don't know what they added on defense to tell you they're going to get a whole lot better. I just don't like the setup for them. Harry Wynn's not doing it for you? I need to figure out who this team is. This is a great, of all the teams, Mark, that have a nice setup for week one, the Seahawks are right near the top of the list. At home, uh, healthy, and you get a Cincinnati team that's trying to figure itself out that doesn't have its best player on the field. A.J. Green's out for weeks uh, with his ankle injury. Um, it, uh, and you know how hard it is to play in Seattle for any team. Factor in week one and all the uh, amped up vibes that go with that. This does feel like a two score game. And they, and they are one of the big favorites. I don't think it's a bad uh, first week for the Bengals, that it's a bad option. You get Jadavian Clowney, who's not really up to speed. You you have Jaron Reed is suspended. You have DK Metcalf coming off an injury. They cut Jaron Brown, which we never mentioned on this show. And so that receiver group is so thin. The, the Seahawks invite close games because of this running style. And I think the Bengals are going to be the biggest dink and dunk team in the league. Like all they want to do is go up and down the field with six yard Andy Dalton pass. You know who loves throwing six yard passes? Andy freaking Dalton. So it's in the the Seahawks love giving up six yard passes. It's kind of their thing. Bend, but don't break. Keep plays in front of them. I can just see this. Let's just wait till the fourth quarter and let Russell Wilson win the game for us at the end, which he will, but that it'll be actually entertaining. Wait, does that mean that I am now watching this game? Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're locked in, bro. It was, you drafted it. I need to figure. I need to have been smarter about the rules of this. Why did I do that, Greg? Uh, how do you feel about everything you just said? All that analysis and big old Andre Smith maybe starting at left tackle because Cordy Glenn is concussed and not practicing. It's a problem. They have nobody on the offensive line. It's a problem. They've had guys retire. They have a first-round pick not pan out. They've had pretty bad. You have no A.J. Green, and the Dalton stats with no A.J. Green are not fun. They've been under the radar as maybe having the worst um, injury luck in uh, offseason of any team. Losing Green and your first-round left tackle is pretty devastating. I'd say that goes back about five decades. Mark, did like a homeless man on the street tell you to pick that game? I, I can't even blame it on anyone. I just, I, I did it. You're locked in. You know, one thing I just realizing as you're saying this, when you make your draft picks, you got to factor in when the game's played as well. You want to overload know. yourself. Yeah. 
I, I was loving. I've also picked red, the Redskins. Yeah, you have to be we're thinking about the time. I was on top of this. I mean, when Wes went for the Sunday night football game right off the bat, thank you, buddy. We're all watching that one. I know. I don't even have to cover it. Actually, let's be honest, okay, though. That's, that's, Here's the great that's, strategy. That's a interesting move. <laughs> I, I have picked the two best shots for major blowouts. Easy narrative, easy to describe on the podcast that night. I could click into you the game. Hear I want, you know, something I, this, even this better? Is called strategy. Something even better? Since you had the first overall pick? It's not making it back to you. You're done, baby. I mean, I've done this perfectly. <laughs> I'm back around. Wait, don't you have strategy. two picks now? That was the second. Oh, okay. I, He's I, done. I'm out. Wes, you're up. With all that in mind, I've got quite the conundrum here. Mm. I can either pick another four o'clock Eastern game, or I can bang Dan and take Bill's jet. Do it. You can't do that. But well, you why didn't it. you take him earlier? I, I was letting it. Well, this is just like fantasy. You just you let it lie, and then you you figure you could grab. But it yeah, later hey, around. this is it. This isn't the. Uh, Go ahead, you could do it. You could. I really like it. Josh Allen. Yeah, this isn't the Geno Smith Jets. This Jets team is watchable. <laughs> do what you want, Wes. And do I don't really buy into the Cardinals, but um, it would be. I'm watching the Jets either way. I just wanted to be known. If you wanted to grab this game, grab it. I I'd, I'd be bringing bad karma on me, so I'm going to take <laughs> Lions Cardinals. <laughs> Uh, I, I, now I feel bad. Uh, you, you could take no, it, if you want, buddy. It doesn't make sense for the for the show. I think West taking another game is better. Anyway. All right, Lions and Cardinals. Here's what shocks me about the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Football outsiders run their playoff odds and has them by just a slim, slim margin, winning. The NFC North Division. Whoa. Wow. They have projected oh. wins, all four teams, between eight wins and nine wins. And they had the Lions by the slimmest margin hmm. as the division favorite. And I guess I could talk myself into Matthew Stafford finally having a running game, three healthy receivers, a tight end, maybe an offensive line. So, you know, and then you go over to the defensive line with Trey, Trey Flowers and Mike Daniels joining. Some interesting parts. I just don't see them as as strong as, I guess, every other team in that division. Hmm. And yet this is a perfect matchup for week one. What better way to establish your running game and your offense and against this Cardinals defense? What better way for this defensive line of Detroit, who should be the identity of the team? I think Matt Patricia is hoping that. Uh, they're pretty deep on up front that they get after Kyler Murray. And ultimately, this is one of only a couple games that... I'm with you, Wes. I I don't know if you you're saying the Lions are going to win comfortably, but I, I this I, is one of the only games where I was like, okay, I think they that, should be they, favorites even on the road. They they should win. You know what, Wes? If you want to, and I'm not saying you think they're the playoff team, but uh, he does. If you're a Lions fan, do you, <laughs> if you don't win this game, and I know you're on the road, and if, unless you're a really good team, every road game is tough. But then you got home Chargers. That won't be easy at Philly. Home against the Chiefs, bye, and then at Lambeau Field. You gotta, you gotta beat Cliff Kingsbury and company in Week One. Uh, I'm talking must win Week One. Go get it. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think they're a playoff team myself, but I agree that this. If you have any hopes, this is a team. The la- the worst team in the league last year should be a team that you beat this year. I'm surprised Sessler didn't take this game after talking. You know up Kingsbury and, and uh, this offense all offseason. I am, I am intrigued. I'm a lot more intrigued by this game than it's just, there's two total unknowns. Breaking news. Oh. What do you got? Take out your GM app because this game is already on the trade block. 
<laughs> well, so if you want to dig That's into more my developing news, but hey, it wait, is developing. <laughs> like when you guys all talk yourselves into Kyle Murray for the next few days, come knocking on my door. The next level of this game is deciding what you're going to have to watch on Game Pass in the days following. Mm. And I have removed the Bengals and the Redskins from my Game Pass repertoire, and I'm adding the Lions and the Cardinals. I, again, I am over here operating on a level that you only wish you could operate on. I can't get into all the details because that would not be fair to this individual, but I just want everyone to know that uh, Spice Rack, Wes's former desert, desert consigliere, now a Los Angeles resident, a little bit basic now, doesn't have that same hook anymore, uh, but a really nice guy who we all like, is very, very down. On Cliff Kingsbury could not be more that for the for the record. Spice. This is one of the few college opinions of Spice Racks that it has not influenced me in any way, shape, or form. But I am shocked at how down he I, is. On I Cliff can't, we cannot tell you the details of the text chain, but just know he is extremely, <laughs> extremely <laughs> down on the Cliff Kingsbury era in the NFL. Yes, I'll leave it there. All right, I got to go grab. The, I got to go up and get the Jets and uh, Bills because I don't trust Greg. I don't trust him as you know, far as I could throw him. You're going to take it from me. Just you when would it do comes to, to picking games? You would spite me. You'd do it. Well, at this point, it's a good game. <laughs> this is That's the best, what I thought. This is Look like the best AFC. Uh, this is the best AFC game that didn't involve the Patriots in maybe 15 years. Uh, wow. Wait, what? <laughs> when was the last time you were excited to right. watch a division game between two AFC East, basically a combination of Jets, Bills, and, and Dolphins? This is it. When was the last time you were excited to watch those two teams play each other? It was 15 years ago. It's it was Chad Pennington and Drew Bledsoe. I mean, I don't know. I didn't even know. This is better than that. <laughs> Eric Moulds was playing. <laughs> it's been a while. Eric Moulds. Peerless Price was on the outside. All right. Jets, Bills. Very interesting. Speaking of very important week one games that can dictate the flow of your entire season, the Jets need to take care of business at home because week two, yes, they're still in their building, but they get a very tough matchup with the Browns in primetime. Then they go to Foxborough. Then they have their bye. Then they're at Philly, home to Dallas, home to New England, at Jacksonville. It's a brutal first half. Things really loosen up in the back half. But the whole goal, I think, for the Jets this season, not to spin too far forward, is get to the midway point of the season around four and four, and you're going to have a shot. It's going to, you know, it's not going to be a, a great shot, but you have a shot. And the Bills, to me, are not a team to look past, though. And that's why I think uh, this is going to be a, a very uh, potentially entertaining game because what you have in Buffalo is um, a defense that can get after you and can make plays. And even a bad to mediocre Bills team last year, lit up the Jets at the Meadowlands last year, and it can happen. It could happen quickly. Uh, Adam Gase and Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell and Robbie Anderson and Jameson Crowder, for the first time in years, talking about this with Rich Eisen today, I, I said to Rich, who goes way back with the Jets, when's the last time you could say that the Jets have an offense that excites you? I threw out Brett Favre. He, he shot that down. I threw out... Pennington's breakthrough year. He shot that down. You might have to go back all the way to Vinny in 98 with Keyshawn and Wayne Corbett and Curtis Martin. This is revisionist history. That Brett Favre team was so fun to watch. I agree. Until he ruptured his bicep. That's exactly what I said. Rich Rich did not agree, but uh, uh, that's beside the point. The Jets have a potential to have a really exciting offense. There's holes all over that defense. So what does Josh Allen do with that? That's another subplot. Josh Allen, year two leap, Greg, who's a very exciting guy to track. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, it's the quarterbacks that make it interesting. But ultimately, I trust McDermott 
in year three of his defense, maybe being a little ahead of where Adam Gase is going to be in, in game one of his offense and that they'll, they'll do enough. They'll, they'll put a lot of pressure on Darnold in terms of, and his new center, Ryan Khalil, who's you know just getting up to speed, kind of identifying what they're going to do because they've been together for a while and now you can really be creative. You can do a lot of things to, to try to confuse them and, and cause uh, turnovers. I think, it, I think it matters a little bit that we haven't seen Le'Veon Bell in 19 plus yeah, months. That's fair. And so I guess you can say that they're going to, use Ty Montgomery. It sounds like he at least has a role in the first couple weeks to ease Bell in, but I don't like this opening defensive draw for the Jets. I think the Bills defense, it's... it. If you're following it every week, you know the Bills' defense is very good. But in general, the Bills are overlooked just because they're the Bills and they haven't really pressed through in that division. But I, I think this Darnold, this we're going to find out a lot about how he has to play under pressure. And that running game is going to be a big part of this. It's been a summer of great uh, anticipation and hope around Darnold. Well, now he gets the Bills, who a lot of people probably didn't even pay attention, had the second-ranked defense in the league last year. First against the pass, third in yards per play. This is a unit that's going to be dangerous. But... Listen, it is hope season again Uh-oh. for Jets fans, and I am on the hope train. Oh, no. Because I'm locking it up. We're getting to 1-0, and we are flying into that week two matchup against your brownies, Mark. Let's go, Jets. I believe. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. When Don't I attempted to play psychological warfare with the Browns-Jets game with Dan on the uh, Rich Eisen show, and it did not go too well. Wait, you didn't lock up the Browns. Oh, yes, I did. I was just waiting for time to do it. I forgot to do it during that during that segment. It's perfect. Of course, I locked well them up. Well done. All right. A little Easter egg there. I mean, you know, the first overall. T- he says, egg. of course, I he locked them up as if we knew that's what he was thinking. The well, whole time. How no, do we know that? He's Ricky, on a totally Ricky different level. Holiday. Didn't I? Did I not say over? R.I.M. client that I was I'm planning sure. to. Oh, I'm, I'm sure this you're is, planning to. This yeah. is a bit of a shaky first draft as GM, Mark. You're a little I, all over the place. I'm coming out of here with <laughs> like marked less responsibility than any of you on Sunday. I have to track three games, two which are going to be Titanic blowouts. I love that you I have win. no idea what you're doing, yet you have painted this picture as you are operating <laughs> well, on a whole different level. As a GM should do. <laughs> all right, let's keep moving. Wes. Wait, 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 oh, skip Mar- Greg. Greg, excuse me. Skip Greg's double banger. Uh, double, double banger. Wes is covered. Greg, you're covering like fu- nine games. The Good funniest luck. thing, yeah, I know. The funniest thing was when we <laughs> said we were going to get out of here in one hour show today. Not close. Are we <laughs> Not even close. Uh, I'm glad you left me, uh, Ravens. Dolphins. Okay. Uh, morning. That's See, that, a, that was my last nice, pick. That's I'm a surprised. nice back. But to me, that's a nice backup game. I, I took a, a great primary one o'clock game, primary last one uh, oh. morning game. Greg and, goes with pure logic while Mark goes with pure <laughs> chaos. <laughs> and I, you know, I know the Dolphins aren't expected to be competitive and they should be overmatched. And it's a very difficult week one draw to Sell have, it, baby. have to go up against this Ravens rushing attack. But there's, there is kind of a mystery factor with just what the heck this Dolphins team is going to be. And I've talked enough about Lamar Jackson and how interesting I think this Ravens offense is going to be on a week-to-week basis. Uh, it's still a spicy week one game for me. That's They're all beautiful people. babies in week one. <laughs> they still start, you know, after after week one, it's like, okay, this one doesn't sleep through the night or this one's <laughs> kind of a jerk to me, Colicky. you know, whatever. But in week one, they're all beautiful. You know, Greg, you have, I think, forgotten about, or at least you didn't mention the 20,000 uh, simulations that ESPN ran where the <laughs> 1,721st derivation had the Dolphins winning the division. 
or at least making the playoffs. So, so you're saying there's a chance. I mean, I, you and they have them winning this game just, handily. Can't you just smell this game like the Dolphins being up one no. point early in the third quarter? The game's not over yet, and everyone on Twitter going like, "So much for taking. This is crazy. It's Fitzmagic all over." Yeah. With Fitzmagic, Fitz yes, I can. It's what? football. The teams aren't that that different. And the yes, Ravens, they are. And they they are because I trust like the infrastructure. But where is the Ravens' true front line top level talent? I guess it's Earl Thomas. Their entire secondary? It's a good secondary. I think if they're really well coached, I think they're going to be good. I just don't think they can go on the road and expect to blow the doors off any team. I, the parallel I would draw is that a year ago, who of us were sitting here saying, yes, Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Buccaneers are going to go out and shock the Saints in week one. In and he's going to throw for like 400 yards and four touchdowns. I think I did. Well, I'm sure you did, Wes. The other three of us didn't nail that one, apparently. I think I got tweets during that game saying that. You nailed it, Wes. Well right. done. Well, I did not. Keep snaking us, Greg. Come, All we have around. left are the Monday night games, right? So uh, I think we have three games, don't we? We have there Niners, are three. Tampa, Niners, Niners, Bucks, Houston, New Orleans, and Denver, Oakland. Well, I'm gonna go Denver, Oakland. We already we already talked. <laughs> We are, it, it, we took the team of West DL. I mean, ultimately, it's it's the Monday night football game. We'll be talking about it on, on Tuesday. Uh, I think this is like the nice why, why we should have a nice doubleheader uh, every week because these guys wouldn't be in primetime all the time. And I want to see what Vic Fangio does. I mean, especially oh, without oh. Antonio Brown on the field. Having Von Miller and Chubb together, if Chubb does make the leap, is just a gift for a play caller like Fangio, who's basically known for disguising coverages and scrambling the minds of feeble quarterbacks mm. better than any coordinator in the league. And that's when he doesn't already have just two game-wrecking pass rushers on the edge doing the work for him so he can just get wild in the back end. It, it, it's a nice little spot here for Denver to try to get a division road win right off the bat. Well, Dan took his Jets. Mark took his Browns. I'm locking up my Broncos. Okay. You're all in. And it's a <laughs> iconic. <laughs> oh, that was iconic. West, what, four years ago and then slowed down. Oh, that's not. I think that down. caused cancer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. It's, it's a nice timing here, for, obviously, for Denver with Antonio Brown out of the lineup and just chaos around. Now, is there a potential for, as Bill Simmons once coined, Ewing theory potential here with Antonio Brown being out of the picture for perhaps he hasn't even ever played for like if the Knicks drafted Ewing and he never played for them and then he started winning. <laughs> Maybe it's a reach. I'm trying to sell it. <laughs> Of course, there's I potential. Mean, Everybody thinks that the Raiders are so much more talented, even without they are. Antonio Brown. They are more talented. They're a better home game. They're a better the roster than opponent. they were a year ago. Yeah. I just think their offensive line is what Mark. How did you describe it? Flaming trash is what you called the Redskins. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, it was along those lines. This is like flaming trash on a barge floating down the river. That is the Raiders' offensive line, and what the Broncos oh. are going to do to them. Well, I, I have to. Dis I mean. I have to disagree there. They have Trent Brown, who shouldn't be the highest paid right tackle in the league. They have maybe the best center in football. And, and Well, they got the other three positions. That's fair, but uh, I'm just saying. Both of their starting guards are out. Their left tackle was abused all year last year and got Frank Clark paid. So whoever, yeah, the, and Chubb and Miller changed sides. So whoever's going up against Colton Miller, that that's a matchup to watch. Uh, one sandwich prop that I had written down and then forgot about, but I wish I didn't, uh, was... Chubb and Vaughn, the one-two sack masters uh, by teammates this season, and you guys get the field. 
Hmm. Um, I do good. like your boy Miles Garrett and Olivier. Maybe that they would be, they would be in the mix set up, as well. That's set up well. Uh, but I think those guys. If I would say an Ingram. If yeah, everybody can stay. But healthy. I think they would, Chubb and Vil, Von Miller would be heavy. Fate. I mean, Chubb, Von Miller. They already did it last year when Fangio. Chubb was yeah, that's. I mean, Chubb nice. is getting, and I think it's totally accurate. Like defensive player of the year, Buzz Baldy picked him for that in our little NFL. I mean, the Broncos' offense in this game though is a total mystery, and and on you know this should be a nice matchup for them. I don't know if there's a team in the league that has less of a pass rush than the Raiders, and they don't really scare you in the secondary. Like if Joe Flacco is gonna get it rolling, this is perfect. Where are we with Cortland Sutton at this point? <laughs> How so? I don't know. I just think like, do they have a bona fide weapon in the, in the passing game that we that we can say this is the big threat? Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, he looks good, but I mean, I I don't know. I need Sutton, something more than Emmanuel Sanders. I, I think he's a huge wild card. He sort of has that Josh Doxson skill set where you're a jump ball artist. You have to win enough jump balls to to do that. In other stadium naming rights news. Um, after a three-year squabble to get it all worked out. There was a bankruptcy involved. Um, the Broncos now play at Empower Field at Mile High. So a little, I think, a little note for you guys. Pops, Pops it was like a 20-year deal, though. So I feel like this stadium has changed every couple of years for a long time. And this, it's this, just Mile High, though. That's, what every, that's why it's not a sound business deal by the people at Empower. Uh, everyone just says, oh, they're playing at Mile High. Possibly the most underrated atmosphere in the NFL to watch a game, and I will be calling it mile high from now. <laughs> I have always and will continue to. Um, just a total steal by the old Zeuser late in the draft here. Oh, I and know what's coming And here. it's like, it's so funny. You guys are so funny with this Texans team that uh, that an 11-5 and five division champion against a 13-3 and three division champion. I mean, if this wasn't Monday night, I would have taken well, yeah, it. And I'm a, grabbing them in the 20th round. No, also no, in a no, dome. Hold on, the draft. but Dan, be real about this. Like, are, this would suggest, and with these Sunday games, which if you look at it, we each actually have the same amount of Sunday games. In theory, Greg is not watching my Sunday game very closely or at all. But are you suggesting that we're going to turn our televisions off because you're covering the Monday night game? I'm suggesting that you will I be... I should have taken that. You're I'm right. suggesting, no, all I'm suggesting is that you all be rooting... You're all going to be rooting very hard against the road team, which is the Texans, who have a... They have well, a... <laughs> am I wrong? Let's be honest. Am I wrong? I'm not rooting hard I, against I, I mean, I, I will I go along not. with whatever you're trying to create. I think this creating. is like a fireworks show right here, this game. It's, it's a fun matchup. It's the Texans that obviously are in the news uh, for the clowny trade and getting the left tackle and... Uh, Sean Payton, uh, for what it's worth today, maybe a, a butter up job said that Tunsil is like one of the great left tackles in football. So as much as you want to say, um, you know, the, the Texans botched last weekend, the number one thing we were all on fire about um, was how could you not have a left tackle? And now they do. And that's going to change things potentially for their offense. Now, going to New Orleans to face the Saints, a absolutely, I imagine, although they've done a good job, it's been the anti-Matt Nagy situation in New Orleans where Nagy can't get over what happened in the playoffs. It seems like the Saints, as a veteran team led by uh, Drew Brees, have processed uh, the screw job, the New Orleans screw job of last January in the NFC title game and have moved on. I love 
this Saints team. I think they are going to, again, be in that 12-win, 13-win territory. And for that reason alone, and I know, yes, we just talked about it. The Bucks went to the Superdome and beat up on the Saints last year in week one. Anything could happen. But I just love the Saints in this game. And I think the Texans uh, will get right next week against the Jaguars. But I think the Saints are going to cruise here. Hmm. The Gulf of Mexico. I thought you were going to lock up uh, your uh, against your team, but you already you already had no, no, no. I, I don't know. I I I'm with you. There's not really logical reasons to pick against the Saints in general this year. They're all just kind of illogical ones. Just hey, it's football because the roster's just about perfect. I don't I do love hey, it's football as a reason. Right? No, I think yeah. that is a, a reason. But that's what I mean. It's a good reason. And. Like, hey, maybe the regular season doesn't matter to them anymore. Are they going to be able to get up? But I I, have, I think that's a fan thing. I don't think that's a player's thing that they're not going to be properly motivated. I think Saints fans are heartbroken from the last couple of years. It, it, I don't know if that's under the radar. I mean, it, they should be. They're heartbroken, and I think a lot of them want to give up football or, like, none of this matters. I think they're going to – like, nothing matters for this Saints team from a fan perspective on some level until the playoffs. They've done it all under Sean, Pay- Sean Payton. They've done it now for – this could be their third straight year in this window where they're really, really good. So it's just a buildup, and anything less than a playoff run is a huge disappointment. I, but I don't think it affects their players. They're loaded. I don't think the players even think the way that we're talking right, about right. That's stuff. That's crazy. I, and also, you – like, let's be real. You've got a year or two left with Drew Brees based on how things go. And w- why even think about the past? You're here again. And the regular season, you don't take it off. It matters entirely. And the reason, Dan, that I'm not rooting against the Texans is that I give Bill O'Brien credit. He has made them, for me, totally fascinating. You were saying that immediately. Right? Like, I think that he has. Fair. He is embracing. I don't think that he probably sees himself as a human villain, but he is in a role that he pl- is playing well right now, and I think the NFL needs five or six of those at every turn, and I like it. Kiki QT might be ready for this game. If he is, here's who Watson's throwing to. Hopkins, Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, QT, and uh, Duke Johnson. At times last year, only one of those guys was available to Deshaun Watson. That's a pretty big difference where they could just – I think this game is a perfect Monday night doubleheader starter where it's 42 to 37 and it's just bonkers. That is a fair point. And I would I would just say that the difference between these two teams is that the Saints have one of the deepest secondaries in the NFL. And the Texans secondary I, – I say they keep kidding themselves about the holes on their roster. Their secondary is not good. It's just flat out not good. And whenever J.J. Watt and Clowney didn't get to the passer last year, they were exposed. I just like it. It's Michael Thomas. It's DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins last year, 150 receptions without a drop. It's two totally unstoppable wide receivers going at each other. Um, Chris Wessling, by the way, as we tape this on NFL Network, Erica Tamposi, as part of her Fantasy One program. League One. On te- uh, League One. She is on television wearing makeup. Yeah. Wait, really? I missed it. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. You look beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Just in there or now too? Really good on the TV. You look really good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you, you're always beautiful. Now it's getting weird. All right. Now Adding? the week one equivalent of Mr. Irrelevant, Wes. Take I just it realized I'm getting banged with three four o'clock games. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trial and error You guys process. are killing my strategy, which is just a dream. I'll be out ordering pizza at that point. 
Yeah, the this, 49ers. It's beautiful. I mean, it's like week one, a lot of mistakes are made. People, I'm cleaning up. <laughs> Greg tweeted over this week, or maybe it was yesterday, that Jimmy G and Jameis Winston are in a similar boat this year as quarterbacks who need to win to keep their jobs. And I kind of think that Jameis Winston's in his own boat and Jimmy G's keeping that job no matter what. But I, I, I see your point that both of these offenses are huge question marks this year. And I think with the Bucks, it starts with their coaching staff, too. Bringing in a new system. Bruce Arians not calling the plays. I know I keep bringing that up. But how will this offense work without the quarterback whisperer running the show? Mm. It's a big that's a big question. I mean, that I, he came back, it sounds like, in part because he loved all the staff members that he's hired and wanted to get them work. I listened to an interview with him this week. And he admitted, I wasn't pining to coach again. I wasn't pining, but I, I got my staff together when Bowles was available. He was like, all right, I got I got the band back together. Let's do this. You get the sense Arians' perfect scenario would be two seasons with the Bucks, maybe even one, and they're both in the playoffs. And then he like hands it off to Byron Leftwich yeah. somehow. Like that would be his ideal scenario. I think you're dead on. I think that it's about a two-year map with a con- you know a contingency plan to hand it off to someone that he trusts and someone that the way he has three he has three coordinators of ethnicity and he has two females on his coaching staff. I think that is his legacy. That's been something he's done in Arizona and here. And I don't think he's planning to hang around for five years. That said, if you're a Bucks fan, you don't want to really hear that from your head coach. Well, if they if they actually do get to the playoffs, then it's fine. You know, if if it's if it's how he envisions it, and I think it's a nice week one matchup. I mean, there's two mystery teams, really. I mean, for the Bucks, take the defenses out. Which offense do you trust more? The Bucks. The Bucks. The Bucks. Despite. Really? I well, I think that they. It sounds. I'd like take Jameis Winston over Jimmy G right now. What? Well, I don't know about that, but I think that the Chris Godwin hype is real based on what has happened to players playing that position in the Bruce Arians offense in the past. He's a good player regardless of that. I just think Jimmy G started 10 games. And I just think sometimes when you haven't seen a body of work, we give a little too much credit to what could be. I mean, he's two years older than Jameis Winston. Give me the guy who's played 55 games already. And has done some good things and is with a good coach. Okay, he's also he's turning the ball over at a pace touched only by Blake Bortles. I think that that is a big issue in the NFL, and, and he's team, not shaking that. Problem. His team has been irrelevant for his entire career. All right, boys. Nice preview work. Wes, I will take, it will still be your game in record, but <laughs> you if guys you would like me to take one of those 4 yeah, p.m. slash 1 p.m. Yeah, frankly, we, we have to work out a trade because it just doesn't work that way. It can't work. We have to, we'll have to figure uh, out. But do you see what happened here? My strategy was so sound that I'm reducing people to have to not even com- keep their own commitments. Sure, I'll trade you for the Browns-Titans. Ooh. <laughs> go away. <laughs> All right, before we go, I want uh, Super Bowl picks. Oh. Uh, yes, final and the score, Mark Sessler. <laughs> score. I'm, this and is the, score. the real thing? This is the real thing. Well, you made it on NFL.com. You got to stay consistent, right? I don't remember who I picked on on this uh, from the NFC side. I know who I picked from the AFC, and you can call me a fool, but I'm just going to dream. I picked the Browns to go to the Super Bowl as a wild card team. 
They're going to score 21 points in the Super Bowl, and it's going to be against the quarterback everyone killed them for years for not picking, Carson Wentz. 21-20. That would be good. Baker Mayfield and the Browns over the Eagles. Three, Super Bowl champion. You were one of three people to vote for the Browns to win the Super well, Bowl. Well, look at who the others and were. the same <laughs> amount of people voted for the Patriots. But look at the other more two, than the Eagles. The, the other two other people two. to pick for the Browns were Tom Blair, who was one of our editors, who was a Browns fan. The third was NFL media new hire Joe Thomas. So there may be some some feelings, as you would say, attached to that. Wes, let's uh, take this back to the seventies, where I'm much more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> a man out of time. Uh, we're going with the Dallas Cowboys over the Pittsburgh Steelers, twenty six twenty three. Ooh, I like that. I'll go Kansas City Chiefs over the hump, 37-27 over the Eagles. I, I got to stay consistent. I went Steelers to win it over the Eagles. No one picked the Patriots. That means they're going to win. I think it was just second. doing one of those things. It was like, which of the four or five teams that I think have the best chance is no one picking on NFL.com? I'll take the Steelers. All right. What was the score? I didn't ask for a score, but I'm going to go 29-28. to 28. Ooh, great game. Finally, Ricky behind the glass. I'm not going to pick the Patriots. I can't. Whoa. I can't. Why? Just because as every time I, I always have to keep my head down and pray and close my eyes and not think about it. I'm not going to say them out of principle. Plus, you're on TV now, so. They would crush you if they don't win their All right, so who are you going to pick? Super Bowl? What's your pick? I, I don't know. There's so many great teams in the NFC. You're on television now. We need it. I, I, I think the Browns will get there. <laughs> All right. Wow. Um, All right. Just going to go out on a limb. All right. And like just it. say that say that they will. And you know what? A lot of weight on that limb. There's there's a lot of weight on that limb. And I feel like, I don't know, might be might be the Bears. Hmm. Bears, Browns, final score. 26 to 17. Who wins? <laughs> It's like pulling tea there. The Bears. <laughs> what? I love I love that you turn it back to the 40s. The 70s weren't back far enough for you. <laughs> Browns and Bears. Well. All right. Very exactly. Well, very well done. All right, guys. Nice tight show today. She's, she's a fantasy analyst. She's not really into the whole like, next, reality. <laughs> next time you hear from us, we'll be recapping all the games we just previewed. So make sure you check that out on Sunday night. And it is also, for the first time, it will be streaming on NFL.com. The show will also be streamed live on YouTube. How about that? Uh, so if you want to watch our gorgeous mugs uh, talk about these games, you can do it. Uh, it will go, you know, shortly after the Sunday night game wraps up. Will be um, The video will be out. And then the audio version, of course, will be out hopefully in time for your morning commute. So um, idea for the people upstairs. Put that on our television station. Ooh. I like that. Let's take let's go to the third floor right after today and do that. Let's do it right now. All right, everybody. It's time to get into the season. There's glory in the legends of this hard muscle life. And there's poetry in each season made of sweat and strife. But now is the time to work and strain at a sport that tests the spirit and challenges the brain. Come on, come on, come on. Let's go. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com you know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.